our song of response to Psalm 31, the 11th, and the 12th. Thanks. Let's read our text once again, verses 9 through 12 of Romans chapter 4. circumcised or also for the uncircumcised, you can say that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. For then he is the father of all who believe, but has not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. He's also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. of our Lord Jesus Christ. Much of Christianity today does not know or teach or is distorted in its view concerning the covenant relationship that God has with believers and their children. Most Christians see the covenant as something that belongs to the past, to Old Testament Israel. They say now that Christ has come, we no longer need those vestiges, those relics of the Old Testament. Many of Reformed backgrounds are questioning the covenant as they come under the influence of this sort of thinking. And it is a sad day. We ask that the elimination of a place for the covenant not leave us with unanswered questions. For instance, why was Abraham called the father of many nations when God established his covenant with him? How does this still hold with us of the nations today? if the covenant is no longer in effect? Does the covenant with Abraham have no place in the New Testament church? What about the fact that the covenant relationship between God and Abraham was marked with blessing, granted by God, not only to Abraham, but also to his children and his children's children? Have these blessings now come to an end because Jesus Christ has come on the scene to deliver us from our sins? Were children more blessed in the Old Testament than in the New? For they were. Parents knew that their child would die in infancy. The promise has ought to be given. And that child would have eternal life. And now, if not to baptize children in the New Testament, 
don't have that sort of thing. And all the while, the Old Testament has been longing for the greater blessings that the Messiah would bring. So where does it where does it all go? Where does it fit in? People would say there are many other questions you could ask. This afternoon we want to look at Scripture to give us some answers to those questions and others in the hope that we may be enriched and blessed as covenant children of the Lord through the generations of people of the nations who are encouraged to find their blessings in Abraham, the father of the one universal covenant. I proclaim then to you this afternoon the word of our Lord as we find that with our text under the following theme. The covenant blessings are graciously extended by God to believing families of Jews and Gentiles alike. Before we come to what Paul teaches us in our text in Romans 4, 9 to 12, First of all, I'd like to draw your attention to our other reading of this afternoon, namely Exodus 4. We do that so as to get a more powerful taste of what lies behind the argumentation that Paul presents us with this afternoon. We hope to be brief and to the point. We won't be able to go into all of the details, and yet we do have to go into some, so it does take a bit of explaining. Exodus 3, as you know, is the account of Moses at the burning bush. You know the holiness that was spoken of there, holy ground that he could not approach. Without, first of all, recognizing that it was a holy place. In Exodus 4, Moses is seen preparing himself to go back to Egypt to take on the great responsibility of calling Pharaoh to let God's people go. Leading up to that glorious event, the Exodus, the narrative is suddenly interrupted by what at first seems to be an out-of-place account of what took place at a certain lodge where Moses and his wife Zipporah and their two sons Gershon and Eliezer were staying. Scripture interjects there by saying, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. In reading it for the first time, one might be taken aback as to why the Lord would be suddenly out to kill Moses. We can't imagine what Moses could have done to bring such a harsh judgment upon himself. And this at a time when God had specifically chosen him already to go to do his great work, which produced the exodus of Israel out of Egypt. So we wonder, is there any clue as to what's going on here? Well, if we look a little closer at the passage, we may see something that strikes that strikes us. If we look at what Scripture says, 
that the Lord said boldly, Who is meant by the Lord? Well, does this not remind us of something? Doesn't it remind us of another incident? Namely, the incident of the angel of the Lord meeting Jacob at the Jabbok and the encounter that took place there. How they fought all night. The end of the struggle, the angel of the Lord humbles Jacob by touching his thigh. And what was the purpose of that? Well, it was to humble Jacob uh, not only in his body, but in his in his mind. Jacob, as you remember, was was a man who was very much interested in material things in his life. He fought for the birthright as a material thing. There was material benefits to that, of course. And he had accumulated much wealth. And he seems to have really been blessed by the Lord in that. And when he comes to Israel, then he has these, these moments of of doubt and he wonders what his brother Esau is going to do with his army separates his family in order to stop the situation from going and others might get away that sort of thing but it's all about his fear and then his calm plan the Lord meets him and struggles with him and he put up a good fight and in the end the men just cut Jacob to the floor this is Jesus in the Old Testament and uh, the rest is that we know. But what was that? What was that for? Well, it was because Jacob's return was not just to the promised land, but it's a return to pave the way for the coming Messiah. And for that, Jacob had to be holy. And that's what we see here then as well with with Moses. We see him on his way to play the role of deliverer of Israel. That's a holy position because of the role that Christ would play later on in delivering Israel and the nations that they would be blessed through Abraham. But Moses doesn't come under covenant holiness. And we might say he's therefore disqualified to be a deliverer, a mediator. God, that is to say the angel of the Lord Jesus, would not allow Moses to go to Egypt and represent him under such circumstances. You may say, well, what then disqualified him? Well, while Moses lived in Midian, he first of all held to the hope he would one day return to his people in Egypt. And now the Lord had called him from the burning bush to do that. But for that work, he needed the proper credentials of congregation as one representing Jesus Christ in holiness and leading to his appearance. Well, that's what scripture is. It's all about leading to the coming of Jesus Christ. And that's why all of worship that we see of Israel is marked by great steps that show holiness. firstborn Gershon, meaning stranger. This name was a statement by Moses for saying, I don't belong in Midian. My heart is with God's covenant people, Egypt. And on that basis, he also had his 
circumcised. But then something changed his thinking by the time the second son arrived. Moses obviously still loved the Lord, for he called his second son Eliezer, meaning God is my helper. Nevertheless, Moses lost sight of the covenant and failed to exercise his authority and duty over against his second son with regards to that covenant. Whereas the first was circumcised and carried God's covenant promise, the second son did not. So that is what the encounter goes on to show. Moses was coming to Egypt as a mediator. He was not carrying out being faithful to God's covenant promise to him and his family. Should one who neglected the sacrament of circumcision, that's of course a question we should ask you, because it's a question of importance. I want you to see that. Could one who neglected the sacrament of circumcision, who deemed it of little worth, be the one to lead Israel into the desert, later on implement the holy sacrament of circumcision and the Passover and all the laws and ceremonies while in the desert? God came to, to Moses at the burning bush and didn't say, I am who I am. I am a holy God. And every, everyone who wants to serve me must recognize my holiness and themselves be holy in my sight. Not just a fancy. Not just an incident in itself locked into the ongoingness of, of God's purpose to gather to himself a people in covenant to secure the coming of his son later on. And even so, he would send his son as an angel of the Lord, that is, Christ in the Old Testament uh, appearance to Satan, to have that struggle both with Jacob and now with Moses. Stop him dead in his tracks. He said, I'm going to kill you. Was to have them ask, what have we not done? Not only was Moses to be holy, but because of the covenant, his whole family was to be considered holy as well. There is no carrying out the task of leading God's holy people into the promised land if Moses and his whole family did not carry the sign of that holiness through circumcision. But for one circumcision, the deliverance of God's people would not have been carried out by Moses. And that's for us to consider, say it again, consider it carefully. As the extension of this fact is the establishing of the covenant with Abraham through the generation, through Moses and his family, also, and for the rest of Israel, also has a purpose for us in the New Testament brothers and sisters. There are many today who call themselves Christians who do not have a sense of what the covenant is all about and so miss out on the tremendous privileges it affords them and their children. It's a must. And why, we ask, is the covenant not important today any longer for so many? 
all people they do present their children, but that's people presenting. That's not what God is asking, that you present them, and then he'll do for them what you want him to do. So the covenant is unilateral, as it was started by God. And he chose for himself people. He said, you're mine, and you will be holy. I will see you as holy, and you must do what is holy. Don't see it again. They don't see it today in many, many churches. And it has to be then because they have a distorted view of the role of the sacrament in our relationship with God. Many today as Christians think that what is primary in the relationship between God and them is the things they do for God rather than what God is willing to do for them. And we hear it in such expressions which come from the mouth of of men like like Billy Graham, and I I don't want to belittle the man. I believe brought the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, maybe not exactly as we would like to see it, but he talked to countless thousand millions who say that Jesus is the Savior. That message has gone out, and I'm not to belittle him, but nevertheless, to say what he has said when it comes to the matter of, of, of salvation. If God has one vote for you and the devil has a vote against you, who's got a cast a deciding vote? And doesn't that smack of, of what we would call Arminianism? No, it's more in the Anabaptist line of thinking, very similar to the thinking exercising his free will that God can do nothing and if God purposes to save us then even man can change that purpose of God because he's willing and that's what we see so many today they don't baptize their children and, and what, what do they say then children can't do that so baptism has to wait till they can present their works of faith and be privileged to be baptized because of their good works of coming to faith the question that the apostle Paul presents us with is the age old question of whether we are justified before God on the basis of faith or because of our works you see, Paul was up against those who claimed that circumcision was a sign of privilege that the Jews held over against the heathens. And what does Paul say over against this congregation? He says that Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Credited to him. It's not a matter of works. 
wouldn't be credited to him if it's a matter of work, it's a matter of work, wage well earned. Of course, we can do that. We can do the work of, of doing everything perfectly in order to secure righteousness. If righteousness comes through good works, Most of us are of Gentile origin. We 
that Abraham, the circumcised forebearer of the circumcised Jews, is nevertheless our spiritual father, although we are not circumcised. And as well, he is not at all, not at all the spiritual father, but only the fleshly forefather of countless Jewish people, although, like Abraham, they are circumcised. This great truth of Scripture stands in the words of Paul congregation, and we may thankfully say that this Pauline truth was discovered again at the time of the Great Reformation after years of neglect and misunderstanding. Abraham was justified by God long before he was circumcised. His faith alone justified him. Romans 1, verse 17, the well-known words of Abraham, stories that Martin Luther rediscovered. The righteous shall live by faith. Open his eyes, the scales fell off of all good works that he had done and which hadn't produced anything. He dropped from his eyes and said, this is it. This is it. How simple. Justifies us, God presents us to those who are justified long before the sacrament of circumcision, long before our baptism, which we would claim our baptism as some important duty. gain heaven by storm. Sure. Well, the Bible speaks of none of that. God thinks of none of that. We are true children of the Father of believers. Although we are not his physical blood, and yet we are without the right to come to the ceremony which he and those of his blood received during the time of the Old Testament covenant. Doesn't matter. What matters we see our connection, true and life-promising connection to him through like-minded faith. The act of circumcision in the congregation was but the seal, the seal of the righteousness of the faith which Abraham already had while his foreskin was still intact. as only a seal of something greater. They regarded it as a mark of obedience to God on their part and not something of great value that was given to Abraham by God. And a similar view to this uh, is held by, by many today with regard to baptism in that they make it to be a matter of privilege exclusivity. Showing you have faith earns baptism. That's only a faith. Believe and be baptized faith, Christian says. Yes, that is the order, but it also has, has certain consequences as a result of that. Believe 
come to faith, then it's not that you deserve the baptism, but it's that God wants to give you that baptism as a sign and a seal for you. And because you have the eyes to see it, then you can speak of it. And if you can speak of it, your children may know it too. And therefore, they too should be baptized so that as early as possible,
say at the same time that this promise, the covenant of Abraham, would also be a blessing to the nations outside of Israel and then take that away because Christ has now come and things have completely changed. You've got to do it a different way now. You have to ask Jesus in your life. And then you can be baptized as a reward, as a work. sending his son parents had the promise in the Old Testament that said their children were safe are they not any longer and I've seen a mother one of my best friends weep over her son he had pledged allegiance he hadn't done his profession yet he hadn't given his life to the Lord and she wept not just at his death
the ones or the others, they are holy. So what is this God less and man more chatter which seems to say that we need to come to faith and give our lives to Jesus first before we can be seen as holy in God's sight and be worthy of being baptized. Your children are seen as holy by God by virtue of the covenant. But that's what that incident is all about. It's that when that wife or the husband, whoever came to faith in the Lord, they came into that covenant relationship because their children, and then their children were were no longer unclean, but they were seen as holy in the sight of God. This is from God's direction. And that doesn't exclude that God saw Jacob and saw Esau and saw one he loved and the other he hated because of how he lived his life. They were both recipients of circumcision. We don't have to get into all of that when we baptize our children either. Are they going to be saved? Yes or no? Promise issue. But when you walk in faith before the Lord, those children will be blessed. And those children, when blessed, will also carry the covenant promises of God's faithfulness to them. The silence of infant uh, baptism, is it not a wonderful testimony? Rather than saying, well, where does it say it? Is it not a wonderful testimony which says that things of the covenant and the faithfulness of God is such that he preserves the generations of the children of Abraham out of the race of Israel and out of the nations alike. That he is set on continuation. That's why we have been so richly blessed. As those who have come in from the nations, the promise is not just to Israel, but as already seen with Abraham, the father of Israel, was promised then already that the day would come when he would be blessed and he preserved one people from the wicked wicked world and from the wicked nations so that he went and worshipped in peace for our salvation that we must go out now to all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit do it with them and as it says in scripture not only was so and so the jailer baptized twice he was seen but the whole family what is that that's that God's children as well so brothers and sisters let us hold to the faith passed down through the generations you and I have those same promises to make as we come in here this afternoon receive the sign and seal of it already they were covenant children. They had everything promised to them as God wanted to seal that. And through the bid here this afternoon, we see it as God wanted to give them to make them your holy people, the holy people of God. Take that with you on our way home. Do not fall into the sway of those who will discourage you if you do, you deny God's holiness. Thank you. We want to 
seeking your goodness and your holiness. He in his power alone can do that and work that. Our own spirit is being changed day after day.